Welcome to Water Experts Unfiltered, the podcast dedicated to digital innovations in the water industry. In each episode, we dive into specific water industry challenges with a Bentley expert and discuss technology solutions to real water problems. Learn why thousands of water infrastructure professionals use Bentley's hydraulics and hydrology software every day. Today, I will be hosting this podcast and I have with me two colleagues, Bernardo Matus, he's from Europe Government Relations Director and David Lieberman, US Government Relations Senior Director. Um, on our last web podcast, we talked about water-wise cities, about um, the challenges related to cities, their development and how this may affect water management. We also yeah. talked about how crucial it it is um, you know, for countries to take decisions, wise decisions, and to contribute to a more sustainable and agile world for all. So today, I would like to bring the topic about leadership in the water sector and how water is or not a priority topic in different parts of the world. So what could be you know, the main challenges of water in, in different uh, areas? Since we have Bernardo and David with us, we'll have a closer look at Europe and also the US. So first, let's start by introducing my colleagues. Bernardo, can you please introduce yourself, what you do in Bentley and what's your relationship with water? Why are we talking with you today? <laughs> sure, and thank you for having me. Um, so that's a difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm not, as you know, a, a water expert uh, as, as such, but so I'm, I'm a lawyer by training. Uh, but I've been working in public policy for over 15 years in Brussels, always in technology-focused companies in different sectors. So I started in the media sector, then I worked a few years in, in the telecom sector, and now in infrastructure and infrastructure software. So I joined Bentley around a year, I think nine months ago, I think a few months after you started, uh, Cecilia, to start our, our government relations team in Europe. And what that means for people not familiar with this type of role, we essentially assess impact of policies in the company, but we also try to advocate the value of going digital in infrastructure to infrastructure to achieve some of these uh, policy objectives that the EU and other regions have set upon themselves. So that, that's it in a nutshell in terms of what I do. In terms of my connection to water, I'm Portuguese. And I think I would stop probably there. I grew up with you know the, the river in front of me, it was 20 minutes to the beach. Uh, you know, so I think as a Portuguese, we, we're all kind of, we all have a very close connection to water. And before Bentley, I didn't work with water professionally, but it's been really rewarding to, you know, to get immersed in this, uh, in this field. So I'll, I'll stop there and hand over to, to David. Yes, David, can you also well, do the same? Oh, that's a tough act to, to follow, Bernardo. Um, uh, but now uh, I guess we now have two, at least 50% of this call, uh, as attorneys, uh, as, as I am an attorney, uh, as well by, by training. Um, I came to Bentley, uh, a little before, uh, Bernardo, a little over two years ago to begin our U S government relations department. So I advocate just as Bernardo, I think very accurately and succinctly put it. Um, and I do what Bernardo does, but for the U S federal government, and uh, all of uh, our state governments, so all 50 state governments. Um, 
as we all know, Bentley has a really sort of outsized footprint at the state and local level, which is really where where a lot of water decisions are actually made in the United States. So this conversation, I think, is relevant in a, in a timely one. Um, that's sort of my my remit. Um, uh, before Bentley, I uh, worked at a law firm here in Washington, D.C., where I'm based. And before that, uh, I worked on Capitol Hill as a transportation and infrastructure policy council for a number of members of Congress and, and uh, senators. Um, my relationship with water isn't isn't my uh, geographical proximity to the beach like Bernardo, although I certainly am quite jealous uh, of that. Um, but it really is in sort of the the, the policy that, that I worked on. Um, uh, transportation infrastructure policy includes water policy. Um, and that was one of the things that I did for about seven years in the public sector on, on Capitol Hill. Um, and so I remember very well working on things like the Water Resources Development Act um, of, of 2012 and 2014 and, and the like. Um, I will say also, too, um, you know, I was on Capitol Hill um, when the uh, Flint water crisis happened in, in Flint, Michigan, and, and understanding how policymakers considered that, thought about that, seeing the impact that um, really underinvestments in our water, um, particularly in sort of the the um, middle of the country and Midwest, which we which we have sort of long neglected, um, how that came to fruition and and how that really impacted a lot of people and and um, hopefully we've learned from some of that. Although I can't say we have too much. Um, but that'll be sort of for our discussion, uh, I think, in a little bit. But but really happy to be here with you, Cecilia, and thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for both of you. Um, you both said um, several things that are so important, starting with the fact that you are not water professionals, although we can understand the impact of water in every person. So it is very interesting because that's one of the aspects that we always talk about. Because although not everyone are water experts, we are all affected by water and also the water decisions or policies that will affect our life ultimately. Um, so the water industry, as you both talked about, um, is driven by you know the challenges and challenges that are happening every day, which set up the the stage for new goals, new regulations. And this means that organizations and companies working in the water field, they need to re redefine their strategy also based on the industry trends, of course, and, and those are strongly driven as well by the difficulties countries face in respect of water. And David, you, you mentioned a, a few examples, of course. Um, if we think about, for example, water scarcity or if there are water quality issues, then it means that usually the countries or the regions, they tend to drive the policies in, in that direction. So when we talk about water from a policy perspective, what are the key notes our listeners can take from the different regions that you look after? Maybe what would... Um, what would we like to know is if water is a priority in the political agenda. Bernardo, in terms of Europe, is water currently discussed as a topic in Brussels? And if so, in which context? Do you want to expand a little bit on this? Sure, sure. No, it's, um, it's actually a great moment to talk about water uh, and water policy in the EU, uh, because th there is a lot happening. 
Um, uh, and I'll start maybe with the sort of the big picture, the the, the big lines of, of what is happening. So at the moment in Brussels, there is, there is real momentum to make um, water a political priority uh, in the EU. And and so what, what do I what, what do I mean by that? Um, water has traditionally been a very horizontal topic. So I think if you approach any policymaker, politician in Brussels, everybody will sort of intuitively agree that water is important and, and should be a priority. But we haven't necessarily seen, uh, let's say, a high, somebody take actively champion water at a political level as a major priority, as, as something that is, um, you know, the importance of, of water as a resource from a strategic point of view. That's something that we haven't really seen. And, and what that has led to is that water as as a policy topic is is very fragmented in in the way the EU uh, approaches it you have multiple different departments within the the European Commission looking at water and they're all doing i think you know by and large a really good job but but it it poses a problem when you're trying to get all of the member states to move in the same direction so what we have seen over the last few uh, really the last couple of of months, although people have been working on this for, for a long time, is a growing chorus of, of voices really basically calling out for this idea of an EU blue deal. Uh, I don't know if your listeners are, are aware, but uh, the, basically the top political priority for the EU in the last, over the last five years has been the Green Deal. So these, these climate related objectives that the EU is moving very aggressively on. And I think you know, five years later, we sort of understand that these goals cannot be achieved without looking at water in a very focused, very strategic way. So what has happened is that in the last few weeks, uh, first, a group of very influential members of the European Parliament, it's uh, over 30 uh, MEPs, signed a letter addressed to heads of state and government in the EU, asking uh, them to, to, to basically prioritize water. And just a week or two afterwards, the European Economic and Social Committee, which is is an actual EU institution representing civil society, they also adopted a resolution basically asking for the same thing for the for an EU blue deal. And so, there's been uh, all of a sudden uh, a lot of um, attention focused on this uh, concept. And I think from from our perspective, that's that's very good. Of course, that raises questions in terms of what does that mean for infrastructure in the EU? What does that mean in terms of the technologies that will be used to achieve these objectives, etc.? So, and I'm happy to go into more detail on this, but this is sort of the um, the big picture of what is happening at the moment. It's very interesting that you talk about that aspect because one of the reasons why many countries that have committed to some targets related to SDGs or some um, energy they have some reports have identified that they will not be able to achieve them because they're not integrating with water because water does really play an important role connecting all the areas and i think it's a challenge good to have because i think it also goes in accordance with what we provide to our users and our listening our our listeners um can understand that by having an integrated approach they can actually tackle some of these these areas, which is the vision of of Bentley Systems. David, in terms of the U.S., um, how has it traditionally thought about water policy, and is this 
something that is changing or do you see it similar to you? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and, um, it, you know, I think much like the EU, water policy in the United States has been quite fragmented and, and dispersed. Um, for instance, you know, w- what is good for the East Coast of the United States is not necessarily good for the West Coast of, of the United States, right? And so the East Coast, um, uh, you know, we, we are thinking sort of uh, less about um, uh, droughts and more about flooding. And on the West Coast, it's the opposite. It's more about droughts and less about flooding. And so coming up with a cohesive um, unified water policy um, is difficult, um, is really difficult. And, and we've seen that over the years. Unfortunately, that has led to, I think, a traditional um, underfunding of our water resources in the United States for a long time. And, and in fact, um, a group here called the American Society of Civil Engineers, which is really the probably leading think tank as it relates to not just water infrastructure, but but all verticals of infrastructure um, here in the states, has given uh, gives out sort of a report card, you know, every couple of years. And in the last report card, it gave the U.S.'s water infrastructure a grade of a C minus, which is which is really pretty bad. And and they actually have some really interesting statistics that I'll, I'll just read right now. There's actually a water main break in the United States every two minutes. And an estimated well, 6 billion gallons of treated water lost each and every day, enough to fill over 9,000 swimming pools. So the, 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 it's not just that we've been underfunding our investments it's that that under it's that mismanagement has caused and is causing severe problems leading to scarcity leading to to unfortunately sort of a disproportionate scarcity in disadvantaged and minority communities in rural communities right places that that are hard to get to places that we traditionally neglected hence off the top, we talked about Flint, Michigan. We had another water scarcity event that that your listeners might be aware of in Jackson, Mississippi, where where literally the citizens of Jackson and Jackson is not a small town in the United States. It's it's relatively big. Could not get access to clean drinking water. They couldn't do it um, for not a day, not a week, but for months on end. And this is this is happening, unfortunately, all too frequently. And I think a lot of it is because we cannot co- come up with a cohesive policy to to alleviate that. Um, uh, we the United States passed um, sort of the most historic infrastructure investment that certainly I've ever seen, and in terms of dollars, I think probably our country has ever seen, called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which funds to the tune of 1.2 trillion dollars over about a five-year period, a number of investments, again, in different verticals, water being one of them. And so a, a, um, a historic investment is now sort of on its way. It's being implemented currently, and, and money is sort of, um, you know, pardon the pun, but flowing out the door uh, to, to states and localities that can make a difference. Now, now money isn't, all, isn't the whole problem. 
and and Bernardo talked a lot about sort of, um, and hopefully we will talk about more sort of the digitalization of water, water management, and what that leads to. Um, and certainly there's a place for that. But but just to start with, probably the overarching problem of funding, we hopefully have alleviated that in the near term, and I hope and pray that that baseline will continue for years to come. You mentioned. Funding, and this is one of the topics that I also want to talk because I think this is um, of interest of who's listening to this podcast. But before that, because you both mentioned a lot of things that I think are important for us to discuss a little bit uh, more. You both work in areas where it's not only, you know, one country. I mean, in the U.S., it's one country, but it's divided in, in states. So it complicates. And in, in Europe, it's different um countries as well so there are different interests and it is a good thing that um, in some aspects the, the um, policies are not 100 the same for each because as you said there are areas where you have more problems with floods where in other areas you have droughts and this also you know brings it um tougher the the the, the way that to rethink how to manage all these areas and and still give the proper uh, importance to to water and and drive the policies um one of the things that i think people were impressed was with the numbers that you david shared i mean they are impressive thinking of if we think about us as a developed country right how how can we be losing so much water when we do have we should have at least the money and the, the 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 way to actually solve those those problems. I think one of the 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 key aspects or notes that I think take from this is that the water is a continuous challenge, and it shows how we're in the right track to actually support the water infrastructure management to have a. Uh, more sustainable and resilient. I remember you also said that, you know, um, we hope that we have learned from the mistakes from the past. And this was actually one of the topics that we 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 talked about and discussed on the previous podcast about being wise and how the term wise was reflecting our capacity to actually learn from the, the, the past um, mistakes. Um, so, Bernardo, Coming back to you, are there any specific short-term policies initiatives that our listeners in, in Europe, for example, should be thinking about? Not only in Europe, I think when we think about policies, we see that there's, although the, 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 the countries are different, there is some interaction and we can see that the challenge may not be exactly the same, but still, you know, it could be something interesting for others to also listen and, and acknowledge, you know, is this something that is of interest for my country or not. So would you, could you mention some of these? Sure, no, happy to. And and I, and just first, because I think David mentioned a few things yes. that, that really resonated with, with me, because even though, you know, we're very far apart geographically, I think so, some of these issues, we see them in, in Europe as well. I mean, just, um, you know, was it last year or two years ago, we had some severe floods in Germany and Belgium that were pretty, um, you know, it was it was very sudden and very unexpected. And so I think that also has changed people's perceptions 
in in Europe on you know some of the challenges that sort of lie ahead in this space. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because I you know what David said yes, really, really resonated many, with me exactly because I think many times we think about these problems as being something for developing countries and not our own countries because we think we control everything. So it it because it's a, a something that happens and it's so severe it raises uh, the attention of people. Yeah. Yeah. So going maybe first into the funding thing, um, because I think what I mentioned before in terms of the EU in this space, what it has done mostly from a policy standpoint is, is set objectives, because there is a natural understanding that a, a mountainous region in the north of Europe is very different from, say, Portugal. So th I think that is that is, you know, acknowledged in, in the the approach of the EU uh, to water um, for, from a policy standpoint. In terms of funding, um, I, I think in the water space, what is um, pro probably the most, there, there are many different funding frameworks in the EU, but the one that has, at least from what I've seen, targeted water more specifically is the what we call the EU Cohesion Fund, which sort of channels funding into areas of the EU um, that uh, under a certain number of criteria that I don't go, won't go into, um, are per, are perceived to require special attention. Let's say to modernize uh, water and wastewater infrastructure. To give one example, for instance, I, I saw recently a lot of funding being channeled into the modernization of water and wastewater infrastructure in Romania, just to give uh, one one example. But but the, the, there's a lot of funding there. Just so, so I guess that's. Uh, that's um, what I wanted to say. In terms of like specific um, policy initiatives happening uh, right now, I think the one e example or, or the one initiative I would mention is the the revision of the urban wastewater treatment directive. Um, and without going into you know too much detail, essentially this is a, a directive from. Um, 19, and by the way, a directive is a, essentially an EU law. I think I should say that because not everybody listening will be from, <laughs> from Europe. Yeah, um, uh, is, uh, so uh, an EU law, let's call it that way, from 1991, which requires um, EU countries to ensure that towns, cities, settlements properly collect and treat um, wastewater. And this is a piece of legislation that has had a very, I think, positive impact on the quality of water uh, across Europe. Now, this directive is from from 1991, so it's it's 30 years old, and uh, it is now being revised uh, by the EU uh, legislators. And so they are essentially updating the directive and bringing additional requirements, namely to uh, wastewater treatment facilities in terms of energy neutrality, um, in terms of the treatment of micropollutants from pharma pharmaceuticals and from uh, cosmetic companies and, and PFAS, just to maybe to just flag the the elements that are a little bit more controversial about the directive. Now, one additional aspect here and one that we are very interested in is how technology can help achieve these um, these these additional requirements or these these objectives. Um, and and clearly the European Commission also, when putting forward this revised directive, they are clearly aware that some of these requirements can only be achieved through the use of digital technology in a variety in a variety of different uh, fields. So I think that's very interesting, I think, for uh, for us and and for for our listeners. I 
Um, and yeah, sorry, go ahead, Cecilia. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking how important this is for our listeners because they are the ones driving, you know, innovation through technology. So when they hear about funds, water, digitalization, and the use of integrated uh, solutions, I think they recognize that they they have the right partner, um, you know, as Bentley. Yeah, so so that's one one initiative. And then something else that will come early next year is um, uh, what the European Commission is calling a water resilience initiative. Uh, and this one is still sort of a little bit shrouded in mystery. We don't know yet exactly what it will look like. It will, it will not be legislation, but it will probably be a sort of a, a document that is more strategic in nature, looking at the next five years um, and obviously from a resilience perspective. So, so those are kind of the things from a policy standpoint that are really uh, top of mind at the moment in Europe. David, what about in the US? Is uh, wastewater treatment plants and modernization a topic um, or, you know, we, we heard about <laughs> floods and non-revenue water. Um, are, they, yeah. are, are there any other aspects in terms of fundings or yeah. um, policies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, um, so the, the, the and just going back to sort of the overarching um, increase in funding, um, the, the invest uh, infrastructure investment and jobs act, um, the biggest water funding mechanism traditionally in the United States for clean water and drinking water has been through the Environmental Protection Agency's decades-old program called the State Revolving Funds. And very generally, um, they provide low-interest loans to states and localities for them to invest in both clean water and drinking water. Um, that program has been, been plussed up through the IIJA, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, um, uh, several hundred percent. And it is now a, I think, a 43 or 44 billion dollar program whereby states and localities and utilities can can take advantage of, of these low, co low cost, low interest um, financing mechanisms like loans. Um, and so that, that's by far the, the biggest investment that we've made. But I, I um, Bernardo talked about sort of the, the digitalization and, and the role that digital plays in one of the things that we've been so so excited about here at, at Bentley Government Relations is the recognition that it's not just about money. And while we have these overarching huge pots of money that, that thankfully are going to majorly invest in some areas where we unfortunately haven't, we still have to invest smartly. And the dollars are still very much finite. And with supply chain and logistics and aging workforce, um, all of the issues that inflation, all of the issues that we've seen over the last, you know, really since COVID, but certainly before that too, um, investing smartly is incumbent um, for to make these dollars go as far and extend as, as much as we possibly can. And one of the most proven ways to do that, of course, is invest in digital technologies. That's been shown time over time again in different verticals and different parts of the economy that when 
both the public and private sector invests in quote unquote going digital and a digi- embraces a digital transformation, you actually become more efficient and you invest your dollars wiser. And water infrastructure is, of course, not immune to that um, uh, that example. And so in addition to these, these overarching billions of dollars, there's a lot of things that we're interested too. There's there's some legislation that's that's floating around Congress right now called the Water Infrastructure Modernization Act, and it literally would authorize grants for smart water infrastructure technology. Bentley has been very very in um, uh, heavily involved in a water resources development bill that Congress is going to mark up that traditionally marks up every two years and about inc- including a grant program for rural water utilities to take advantage of some digital construction and digital infrastructure technologies because they've been hit so hard really since the pandemic and particularly as sort of the, the heat dome of, of um, June, July, and August here in the States really caused a lot of flooding uh, in different parts of the country. And so it's not just about money. It's about smart investments, too, and I think that's a really important cause and something that I think Bentley really prioritizes so well. You said it really well. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was just uh, reacting to what David said um, about investing wisely. Um, Just a couple of, was it last week, maybe two weeks ago, um, we, Bentley, we took part in an event at the European Parliament on digitalization of water infrastructure, where one of our colleagues, uh, a fellow Portuguese, uh, Rodrigo Fernandes, he he was basically representing us. And and this was one of the points where I think everybody around the table, MEPs, the European Commission, and and other people present agreed. It's not just about the, the billions of euros that are being channeled into infrastructure and water infrastructure as well. It's about using it smartly. And and not only and not only using it smartly, but ensuring that we are we have a workforce that is also able to make the best of of these uh, of these funds being allocated into infrastructure, and that's also a big a big challenge in itself. So I just wanted to, to you know, David and I we didn't kind of uh, agree beforehand on these points. It's just interesting to see that you know some of these challenges and some of the discussions going on. In, in the US and Europe and they probably go overseas, other regions. Right? Exactly. Are, are very similar. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, for because of time uh, issues, we're not able to have other colleagues in different time zones. But I'm sure that the discussion would go still in that direction, although we all live in, in different regions. I think this is very, very interesting for our listeners. And I think it was very enlightening uh, information about, you know, becoming smarter. So not only about the funds, but it is good to understand how the policies are going in that direction as well. You talked about um, how the organizations need to change. And I have a question. Maybe there's no answer. Our users are listening to this and they are water experts. And many times they think, oh, this is not correct. This should be different. So how could they somehow become more, um, how could they participate more in these water-related discussions? Well, I I, uh, I love questions with no objective answers, Cecilia. So <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll take the the first the first stab. Um, 
<clears throat> look, look, I, um, you know, in, certainly uh, going back to what I said, em, embracing a digital transformation, I think is yeah. is is obviously very important. And and of course, we would say that as as a company that um, focuses on digital transformation. But um, I, I do think that again, it's proven time and time again, not just in infrastructure, but in manufacturing and in, in, in different verticals. As I said, that that embracing digital um, makes you more more efficient and and leads to more sustainable and resilient um, and equitable. I think um, equitable is is not a word that should be lost in this discussion. How water equity is incredibly important, yeah. and how digital solutions lead to water equity. Um, and so I think that's that's an important point. But, you know, I, one thing I would say is, look, um, it, it, you know, if our listeners are, are are true water experts, of which I do not claim to be one, um, <laughs> making your voice heard um, as to your priorities, what you're seeing in the industry, how how these policies that Congress and folks like the Environmental Protection Agency promulgate are actually implemented on the ground is so vitally, vitally important. Having worked on Capitol Hill for a long time, I cannot tell you and I cannot overstate the importance of actually hearing and learning from practitioners, how important that is. Members of Congress, policymakers, um, they listen to practitioners probably more than any other constituency. Because the last thing that they want to do is pass a multi-billion dollar law and then learn four years later that it didn't work. So on the front end, they want to be informed by, by you guys, by the true experts and listeners. And so I think that's that's truly vitally important. Of course, you can do that in any number of ways. Here in the United States, we we try to have as open of a process with with consultations and requests for information um, as as humanly possible. And so participating in that, but but truly not being afraid um, at conferences that that you attend, if you belong to different associations who have advocacy um, arms to those associations to participate in those. Um, and and we, you know, here at Bentley, we obviously participate in a number of infrastructure um, associations as well. But participating and making your voice heard on this issue in particular is so vitally important. And, and sharing with us as well, because I think when the clients share with us the needs, Bentley also develops, you know, solution towards those challenges and those sure. needs. And this also reflects on the way projects are implemented as well. Bernardo, want to add something to David? Yeah, I mean, um, in terms of how to how to participate, you know how how to get your voice through to to policymakers. I think completely agree. I think the 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 case studies, the examples of of what uh, our users and and other actors in the ecosystem are doing, those are really important. Um, at the the event in the parliament that I mentioned, uh, this was a direct question to one of the MEPs and to the European Commission. Um, do you feel like you know? That you have enough knowledge of what's happening uh, in practice in 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 this space in, in the water space and and clearly the, the the reactions from both the the member of parliament in question and, and the european commission was to say please give us examples and and so those are i think really vitally important we talk a lot in in brussels about evidence-based policy making and you know having those examples is is a huge part of it i would add that uh, in in Europe, I think um, one of the big issues that we have 
is that there there is when we look at what the water ecosystem looks like, it is a very um, again fragmented ecosystem. So in some, if we look at water utilities, just to give one example, some water utilities have you know state of the art uh, cutting edge applications of technology. Uh, others are perhaps have a different ha have not reached that level of let's say digital maturity in terms of what they're what they're doing and and the trick from a policy perspective is to try and get the ecosystem to modernize without making it too constraining uh, in terms of not imposing requirements that are too strict and so that's the kind of dilemma that the you know European Commission and other policymakers struggle with and the more examples they have um, I think the, the the better it will be for for you know for them and also for the for the ecosystem. One final word, just in terms of how to how to participate in these discussions, there are some quite influential uh, trade associations in, in Brussels and in Europe working on on water. So if uh, you know associations like the Water Europe and European Water Association that we are members of, but there are others as well. And if uh, any of your listeners have interest an interest in finding out more, I think you know feel free to to reach out to us and we can put you in touch with them. I, I would say too, you know, one of the reasons why why perhaps there there have been such focuses both from the EU perspective and the US perspective on on changing our funding mechanism, changing how we're thinking about water is, you know, I, I sometimes think, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words and, and water scarcity, droughts, flooding, that's not tangential. You, you can feel the pain and see the pain of a community of a Jackson, Mississippi, of a Flint, Michigan, um, when they have these problems. It's, it's, it's not esoteric. It is extraordinarily, um, uh, it, you can feel it and you can see it. And, and I think that's an, another reason why I think, you know, I can't speak for Bernardo's side of the world, but on our side of the world, why we've decided to make these investments go further and go into communities that, that, they tra that we've traditionally underfunded for years and years is because when we have a problem, and and I state I stated some of those stats at the top, but when we have a problem, it it's a major news event, and the pictures of the families and the constituencies that are truly horrifically affected go a long way, and and so it's it's um, it's a very easy picture for policymakers to understand and to really try to alleviate a, a, as we go forward. Yes, definitely. And, you know, from this side of, of the world, these things also, I mean, we think we are protected somehow, but then we see happening more and more severe events like floods, for example. Just the other day we were listening to the news and they were showing in Europe some of the floods and the kids at home, you know, that they are not used to think about water problems. They were like, oh, but this is in Europe kind of this shouldn't happen, right? Because their perception is that this is not supposed to happen, but it does. It's tangible and it's happening today. I had prepared a few questions about digitalization and how this fits into um, the discussion on infrastructure and also how you see the future of water policy. I think we have touched upon these things, but I would like, you know, if each of you could 
comment uh, comment a, a little bit on on this. You want to go any... first, David? Yeah, you can choose. <laughs> yeah, I just on the importance of digitalization. Is that and, and sort of the future of, of policy? Sure. Um, look, I, you know, um, I, I stated on I, I, some of the reasons why why you do it, um, and so I, I won't go sort of into that. Um, but but I, I think it's really important again as as these investments are are being made, um, and and not just for for the design and construction of of our systems, although that's certainly um, a, a very important aspect of it. But but really the operations and maintenance of it too, um, and to be able to have a digital system via a digital twin or or another uh, piece of software that allows you in real time. To, to do sort of analytical and predictive maintenance of, of a water system, I think is so vitally important, whether that's for efficiency reasons, because the, the sort of granular understanding of the workforce has, has is leaving or, or has left, or any number of reasons to do it, um, to stretch the dollars even further. But I think it's so vitally important. One of the things that that we've seen, and, I, and, and as I suggested earlier, we have a water main break every, every couple of minutes. Um, but but a lot of this stuff we've seen after the fact in Flint, Michigan and Jackson, Mississippi, just to name two, it was preventable. It was preventable. And and one of the reasons why why it wasn't prevented, um, it, you know, has less to do with funding, although there's certainly that aspect of it. But it's because it really was a, a lot of it was human error. And a lot of it was we didn't catch the problems until after the fact. We didn't have the right technology in place. We had outdated processes and 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 software that that, or in some cases, no software that could predict these things. And so, allowing a community to to not um, fix something as the water is flowing in the street, but to do predictive maintenance and predictive. Um, predictively and, and um, on the front end fix something before it breaks, um, not only will save the community money, but but way more importantly, will not affect, will hopefully, um, uh, you know, not affect lives um, as, as is seen all too frequently. So that's sort of the reasons of, of sort of why going digital is, is, is very important, particularly sort of in the water sector. Um, but but sort of, I think the second part of your question was, is sort of what's, what's the future? Um, I, I hope that that we have reached a new normal um, in our water funding levels to where to where this is um, uh, you know the, the 43 or 44 billion dollars in sort of our biggest program, the state revolving fund program is it is in fact going going to continue. Obviously anything can happen, particularly as it relates to the United States Congress, but but I really hope that 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 is somewhere um, that we go. Um, I will say too the particular spotlight, the nexus between going digital and the importance of digital, and our infrastructure and transportation investment again is so vitally important too. And we've seen that really, really, uh, it began with the bipartisan infrastructure law or the IIJA a couple of years ago, where Bentley was 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 successful in spotlighting a program for for digital construction technologies. But but we don't want that spotlight to go away, and and we don't want it to go away because it helps our users. And the more we can 
create ways for our users, whether they're water utilities or whether they're state departments or transportation or enterprise accounts to take advantage of, of digital infrastructure technologies. A lot of the times using public government money will make our public works projects go further and further and create more resilient and sustainable solutions. And so that's where I, that's where I hope we go. Um, I will say that, that, um, I think uh, if I sort of would look into my crystal ball, that 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 that's not just a pie in the sky. Um, I'm just hopeful, right? Be- because I'm I'm you know a Bentley lobbyist, right? Um, I I'm hopeful because in the conversations that I've had with policymakers, both at the sort of executive level and the legislative level, they concretely understand our arguments too. And I know Bernardo's had a lot of success, particularly in sort of the urban wastewater treatment um, uh, example as well that he was mentioning. They understand that. And and as I said a couple of minutes ago about about the crisis being not tangential, but really granular and really understandable, we don't wanna have any more of these crises. And and um, investing in our digital infrastructure technologies to make the dollars go further and to great to create better outcomes are something that I think policymakers are really beginning to wrap their head around and understand that this is not just these aren't just futuristic video game technologies. These are things that are making differences in their communities right here and right now. And I'm hopeful that that will continue. Yeah, from my side, I mean, I agree with everything David said. Um, I think the the only few couple of things I would add is, you know, digitalization is important also from the perspective of securing the the, the quick wins, right? It's not just about uh, sort of the the cutting edge digital twin, uh, but it's also about improving energy efficiency of of water infrastructure and other types of infrastructure. And, th- and those are things that can be leveraged quite quickly uh, if, if, you know, if you implement digital technology in, in, a, in a smart way. So th- that's just one, one thing just to supplement what, what David said. One thing I wanted to, to, um, to, to say is um, I think the, the type of role David and I have, I mean, we, we look at, we see how policymakers are looking at infrastructure in different sectors, right? Because Bentley is active in different sectors. So we see discussions on water infrastructure. We also see discussions on energy infrastructure and discussions on transport. And and from sort of my bird's eye view, what I see is that each of these sectors is really struggling with pretty much the, the same issues. They, they manifest themselves in different ways, but it, there, there are all sorts of issues in each of these sectors about how to generate the insights and then the data enabling those insights. How does how do these different sectors communicate between themselves? And sometimes even, even within themselves, there are different actors in, in energy that are not yet there in terms of you know exchanging uh, information and, and so on and so forth. And and that is also we also see that from the point of view of, of policies. Typically infrastructure policy in the EU at least it is very kind of fo- focused on sectors and so there there's there's a little bit of fragmentation also when it comes to the way policy is done in each of these sectors so so to coming to, to your to the question you know what do we see in the future i mean ideally 
and I think that that's a large part of the you know what we advocate for in in Brussels is it would be very good if the EU adopted um, a more holistic future oriented approach to infrastructure across sectors. So to look at the, the water nexus, um, um, the, the, the energy approach. water nexus uh, in, in a more holistic way, For in, just to give one one example and, and bringing digitalization into the into the picture uh, sooner. I think digitalization is is often something that is thought about almost as an afterthought. Um, and then that's something that I think uh, would be good to to change. It, it's something that I think is changing because uh, I think more and more um, policymakers are understanding the value of these technologies to to achieve what are essentially policy goals. You both mentioned so many important things that we could have another podcast with the amount of things that you both mentioned about your Cristobal. I think one of the important aspects that you both um, mentioned is about going digital and how we can do more today. Many times people say, oh, you know, we cannot do this or we could not avoid. But it is obviously, and you both mentioned that we can prevent more because today we have the tools to predict and become much more smarter. We can actually act in a much wiser way. And that is what will support the resilience of, of cities, of communities, of our infrastructure. I think now to, you know, our listeners have more hope uh, on the future, as you both shared your, you know, crystal ball um, uh, thoughts. And they, I think for them, it was very enlightening to know that we do work in the direction of the future. So we do provide today solutions for them to act in the water sector with smarter tools, with more integrated tools that can actually support them in these policies of the future, not only the future, but of, of today, so that we become more resilient and sustainable. I would really love to continue our conversation. However, we need to um, to finish. So I will ask you know, if you any of you have has any additional notes that you would like to to leave. I mean, I would just say it was a pleasure. I mean, I'm more than happy. <laughs> yes. You know, we're government relations professionals, so we love to talk. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, we're happy to. I'm Listen. sure David also is happy to come back. You know, to discuss anything your listeners might be interested in. David? Yeah, no, it was a great conversation. I, I agree with you. You know, I think some of this is just scratching the surface and and the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Um, but it, it's such an important one um, that that you know I think Bernardo. I don't want to speak for Bernardo, but I I would love to be able to be involved in this again. And and you know as as these water investments continue to wake you know make their their way through the federal system down to states and localities, you know perhaps a a, a follow up conversation. Um, would be would be great to see how how the states and, and localities are really truly investing their federal dollars of, of which they have a a new guaranteed stream for for the next few years. So we'd would love to continue the conversation as necessary. Thank you very much, David and Bernardo, for being here with us in this podcast. It's always a pleasure talking to both of you. To both. And of course, thanks to our users and followers for listening. I wish you all a great day. Thanks.
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more with Bentley's experts helping you solve real water problems with real technology solutions.